All right, well, take your Bible this morning and turn to the book of Matthew, very first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter number nine, as we stand, uh, we're standing in honor of God's holy word and recognizing that it is above every book that's ever been written and every book that ever will be written because it is none other than God's book. We could say it that way, his word to us. And uh, we're going to review where we've been as we get into the message, but Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 27. So Matthew 9 and verse number 27. So after uh, many have uh, come to Jesus already, it's, I mean, it's a busy time. It's a busy time in the Savior's life, the life of the disciples. We'll review a little bit of that. But in verse 27, it says, And when Jesus departed thence, Two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Can you imagine them crying out, lifting up their voice, not being able to see where he was exactly, but crying out to him, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then, the Bible says, verse 29, Then he touched their eyes, then touched he rather their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. <laughs> And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. That's rather strange to us. Uh, but the circumstances merited that. There Jesus told them not to tell it. Now he tells us to tell it, and we don't. <laughs> and they did. They went, it says, but they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. <laughs> they just couldn't keep it quiet. Yeah. All right, next it says in verse 32, and as, and as they went, as they went out, <clears throat> behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. They'd never seen anything like that before. But, <laughs> oh yeah, they're still around. The Pharisees. The Pharisees, that was the religious leaders, the uppity-ups of the day, the elite in their minds. They said, he casteth out the devils through the prince of the devils. They were calling Jesus good, evil. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad 
as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, and these words echo to us as well today, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers, and here's our theme for this year, into his harvest. Pray, pray that there's a disproportionate circumstance here. The harvest is greater than the amount or number of workers or laborers, harvesters. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth more. That's basically what he said uh, to do. So this morning, the title of the message as we considered is simply this, uh, seeing and hearing the needs in today's spiritual harvest. Seeing and hearing the needs in today's spiritual harvest. May God bless the reading of his word. As you're seated, we'll consider these verses and apply them to our lives here this morning and to the fact that we have a celebration Sunday coming up as well as a friend day and really just, uh, just the work of the Lord as it is in general. <clears throat> Seeing and hearing the needs in today's spiritual harvest. <clears throat> Someone has said this, I jotted it down in this passage of my Bible and didn't write down as to who said it, but they said this, the truth of the gospel and the consequences of not hearing and believing it demand a sense of urgency. The demand, sorry, the truth of the gospel and the consequences, the truth of the gospel, it may have been Brother Sam Davison that said this, I'm not sure, but it sounds like something he might say, doesn't it? the truth of the gospel and the consequences for not hearing it and believing it demand a sense of urgency. Do you agree with that? The truth of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus died as our substitute on the cross that he was buried and rose again and that he's able to save anyone who would call upon him for salvation, but that they must hear that message and call on him for salvation. So that is the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel and the consequences for not hearing it and the consequences for not believing it demand a sense of urgency. I, I believe uh, that many ways churches across our land, including Southwest Baptist Church, needs to be awakened from our stupor because we've kind of just fallen asleep spiritually and we've forgotten in many ways, practically speaking, the truth of the gospel and the consequences for not hearing it and believing it. Now we need to, we need to get back to that and understand that. Another man said this, uh, the founders of modern missions, what would be considered modern missions, late 1700s into the 1800s, uh, men like William Carey who went to India and Adoniram Judson who was a missionary went to uh, Burma and, and other missionaries like that that really, I mean, they laid their life on the line. Uh, others that went to Africa and, and so forth, the founders of modern missions were men to whom eternity was awful. They understood what it meant to die without Christ. Because the Bible says that when a person dies without the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, they spend eternity in hell. Right. 
I know that's not popular in today's um, feel-good Christianity, but it's still in the Bible. That without Christ, men die and go to a burning hell. And so those missionaries then, they understood that and, and, and could not play lightly with the everlasting souls. They took a person's soul seriously. Do you take a person's soul seriously? Let me ask you this this morning. Do you take your own soul seriously? Do you realize this morning that you're not just a body? Uh, by the way, I enjoyed as we heard, uh, the, as we sang the song together, that, that he's made you. You're not the product of evolution. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And you are not a body that has a soul, but a soul that has a body. Your body's temporary, but your soul is eternal. And your soul will spend eternity either in God's presence or separated from God's presence in the lake of fire. There's only those two choices. You don't sleep forever. It's not soul sleep. It's not like you're annihilated. It's not like you hit those flames and they burn you up and that's all that's done. No, the, the Bible says, Jesus said, Jesus is the authority. I'd rather go with what Jesus said than, than some scholar that denies what he said. I'd rather go with what Jesus said. And Jesus said about the man that died yet in his sin, unforgiven of his sin, the, the man who died even though he was a rich man. He had great position in society, and yet when he died without God, the Bible says, Jesus said that in hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torments. That's what Jesus said, that as a man would die without salvation, they die and go to hell. We must, we must embrace that truth, not, not be ashamed of that truth. We must understand that truth and let God help us and mobilize us to do something about it. And that would mean sharing the gospel. We are, we are by the grace of God, those of that are saved here today, by the grace of God, you are saved. You'll never experience the flames of hell. Praise God for that. I deserve it. We all deserve it because we're sinners. To go to heaven, uh, you must be holy, righteous, because God is holy and righteous. There's a great gulf fixed, and, and, and there's a great chasm that is there, and there's only one way across, and that's not by a man's good works. It's not by church affiliation. It's only by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who died in your place. And I know the vast majority of you know that, but hey, listen, isn't it good to know that today? And if there is somebody here that doesn't know for sure what will happen to you when you die, I'm telling you, friend, listen, you don't have to wait and see if your good works are going to outweigh your bad works. But here's what you can do. You can believe who Jesus is and believe, trust by that, I mean, trust what he did for your salvation. Turn away from unbelief, turn away from wrong belief and trust him and you'll be saved. That's what the Bible says. You'll be saved, eternally saved. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. They desperately need the Lord. I realize that's the words to a song, but it's also the reality of the Bible. People need the Lord. Little uh, two-year-old uh, Joshua Smutzler over in Mongolia, his parents are missionaries, and he got brought along with them. 
uh, the Hannah grew Hannah grew up here at Southwest Baptist Church, and and uh, God brought her together with Cameron, and they have three wonderful boys, and they Hannah's got a lot of family here. But anyways, I enjoyed my wife shared with me a little clip of a video that Hannah sent to her of of little Josh, age two, singing. Uh, when he sang it four times, at least on this clip, maybe more, had the refrain going, when will we, when will we will wise, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just saying it to you like he said it. When will we will wise that people need the ward? Oh, it's precious. I should have had a video clip of it. It's precious. Sang it four times, just over and over. When will we will wise? People need the ward. Now, he may not be able to frame it just right yet with his tongue, but he's got it right in his mind. People need the Lord. A two-year-old realizes it. When will we realize? People need the Lord. The ladies got together this past week. The ladies refresh, and, and I know they had a good time, and it was called Voices from the Harvest, and and um, they heard from some of our sent missionaries and others that we support and heard reports from the field. You know, like when at the end of harvest time, you sit around the table and you just enjoy the meal. You know, we're getting ready to here at Thanksgiving. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. Yeah, just sit around the table and enjoy and reflect on the blessings of God and just thank the Lord for what he's done. And really, that's what the ladies did. They decorated and had, you know, a, a table decorated there. I mean, it looked like it was harvest time and families, you know, some of you grew up on a farm and, and you, maybe you were combining and then you got done with all the work and then mom or grandma made a wonderful meal and you just sat around the table and you reflected on what, got, what, what you got to enjoy in the harvest that God gave you and you were thankful for it all. That's what the ladies did. And, but it wasn't a physical harvest. It was the spiritual harvest of souls saved. And, and some of them gave testimony and some of them gave testimony about people they were working with, either in the bus ministry or in greeting or in other, other ways. It was voices from the harvest. And, and then they, they sang this song, he brought me in. He brought me in from the fields of sin. It's a song that we grew up singing. Uh, rest of the song says, just look out yonder where I've been. Oh, praise the Lord. He brought me in. Well, thank God today. He cares about sinners. He loves sinners. He didn't come to avoid sinners. He came to go right to them. He came to love them right where they were. He had critics. The Pharisees, the scribes, they were critical of Jesus. Look at him sitting there eating at that table with them sinners. Yeah, because he loves them. Do you love sinners today? I hope you do because you are one. And he saved you. And if he saved you, then you ought to be concerned about some other sinner. And I, I know you know that, church. I know we know that. But don't we need to be reminded of this along the way? Can't we just get so self-absorbed in, in our own lives and get so busy with, with all kinds of things and even good things? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being critical of that. I, I understand it but, it, but, but at the same time, listen, why does he have us here on this earth? 
Aren't we supposed to care for the lost and dying just like we were? Aren't you glad today that somebody cared enough about you to share Jesus with you? I'm sure glad for a mom that kept me in church today. I, I'm sure glad for Sunday school teachers that even when I was messing around, every Sunday school teacher knows what I'm talking about and trying to get a little boy to sit still. I'm so glad there were Sunday school teachers and, and junior church workers and others that helped me listen even as a boy because even a child can understand what it means to be a sinner and what it means to be saved. I'm sure thankful that somebody cared about my soul and I want to, with the grace and help of God, I want to go and care about other people's souls. And I'm sure that that would be your testimony as well if you're saved today. And, and if you're not saved, this message is for you too. I, I want to use this message because it's a text to stir us all up about the need for pe of people around us so that we might see and that we might hear the needs that are out there. Our Savior did. But today it may be you that you have a spiritual need. You have a need in your life. You've got some things going on. You need, you need God in your life. And you may, not, you may not be able to articulate it here today. You may not be able to explain uh, why you're here. But God knows why you're here. And he's got you here to hear the message. But it also is a message that's going out to our church family and, and saying to our church family, listen, we've got a celebration coming up, a, a 70th anniversary, and, and, and we ought to thank God for what he's done, but also commit ourselves that God, it's still time for the harvest evidently. Jesus has not come again, and, and, and we're going to someday change locations. Amen. Southwest Baptist Church is. You say, preacher, are we selling this property and moving somewhere else? Not that I know of. But it could be that Jesus comes again during our lifetime and this church will change locations. In other words, we'll be up. We'll be caught up in the rapture. And, but until that time, we've got a job to do. We've got a job to do, church. We've got, we've got uh, a gospel to share. There are doors to knock. There are people that you work with that need to hear the message. And, and God put them in your life that you, God might use you to reach them. People that need to be brought in. Do you see? Are you willing to hear? Or in some way do we tune it out? Angie, my wife, uh, read a, a reading called Daisy Change. It's written by Amy Carmichael. She was a missionary in India. And she had a, a dream or just kind of wrote a creative narrative or writing prose um, that described how that she was seeing people going off the premises, uh, sorry, off the cliff of, uh, of eternity. And nobody was there to stop them. It was dark. You, you'll have to read it. I've got it here. I'm not going to take the time to read it. But, but they one by one were going off the, off the cliff and falling figuratively. I mean, it's a figurative um, writing, but it, it gives the truth of eternity that, that every, every week there are people that have grown up in Hinduism that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And people that have grown up in Islam and people even that have grown up within the realm of Christianity, but they haven't trusted Jesus and they're going headlong off into eternity. And she heard the shrieks and she heard the, the cries of those that were going off of the edge there. And while all that was happening, what was symbolic in the, in the writing was those that were sitting and making daisy chains and even singing hymns. But, but nobody was there. There were so many gaps. There were some that were there and they were holding, uh, holding arm in arm or hand in hand and, and trying to stop those from going off. But, but she said that was, this was the case. There were places of great gaps where there was nobody. Yeah. 
There was nobody there to warn them. There was nobody there to stop them, to tell them that God loved them and would save them. And, but one by one, they went off. Today, I'm here as one voice, and there are many other voices here today saying anybody that's here without Jesus, listen, you need him as your Savior today. Don't go another day without him. You can't make it without him. But then also to challenge every one of us to, to get up out of our selfishness and stop making our little daisy change and stop even just stop singing the songs but doing nothing about it. Oh, it's not enough that we would sing Rescue the Perishing. We must also engage in Rescue the Perishing. Amen. There's gaps in the world. There are places in the world that desperately need a gospel witness and God wants to use you to do so. Our Savior was a man of compassion for the lost. He was concerned about those that were in sin. The Ted this morning in Sunday school just taught a lesson about how blessed we are to be forgiven of our sin. You could still be condemned right now. You could still be in your sin. Thank God He came to deliver us and set us free. But there are men and women and boys and girls and young people, oh my, there are young people that are struggling in sin. They're in guilt and shame. And, and by the way, we dare not minimize sin. We dare not think, ah, it's not a real big deal. It'll take over a society. It'll take over a family. It'll take over your life. I just heard a preacher preaching on sin. And he said this about sin. If life is a machine, sin is a gear that is a malfunction. Throws it all off. If life is a kingdom, sin is rebellion or an uprising in that kingdom. If life is a family, sin is a feud between family members. If life is a body, sin is an untreated disease that poisons the whole system. If life is a river, sin is mercury or arsenic that pollutes it. If life is a computer, sin is a virus that shuts it down. He's basically trying to get across this. The, the devastating effects of sin in our lives. Another man said this, he said, the world is full of wickedness, whether it is in the first world or the third world, whether in civilized areas or in primitive, primitive situations, whether in democracies or totalitarian regimes, whether in countries where there's a great deal of churchanity or countries where there's raw animism, sin dominates. And then he asked this, 
Who is sufficient to meet such needs? Shall lives and whole societies be transformed by mere oratory or merely by the power of doing good deeds? And then he answers his own question. Listen to this. Nothing will suffice but the power of God. Therefore, we must entreat him to work. In other words, he's saying this. There's nothing that can deliver man from the confines of his sin except the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And therefore, more workers are needed to stand in the gap to say, listen, you've only got one hope here, and it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear? Are you willing to see the needs of those that are yet burdened down by sin? Or have we become so calloused that their cries don't get through to us anymore? The Bible says our Savior was moved with compassion. What does that mean? It means this, he had affection for people. He truly loved people. I'm glad I can tell you today that the Lord truly cares about you. You may wonder why, knowing you, why would he care? Why would he take time from me? I'm like, Brother, I'm like Brother Ted, he said this morning to, uh, about David and how that God recorded his sins in, in the Bible, in the book. He said, I'm glad there's not a book recorded about my sins. But God knows our sins. I love Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth or he showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. While we were yet sinning against him, rebelling against him, he died for us. What compassion. What love. You say, well, I know he loves other people, but he doesn't love me. No, he made you just like he made everybody else. And you're a sinner just like everybody else. You say, well, this is a, this is a church preacher. You know, I walked in here and man, it's, it's evident. I don't feel like I belong here because, you know, I'm a sinner. Well, I'll tell you who you're among. You're among sinners. Sinners, sinners, every one of us sin and, 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 and deal with sin and hate sin. I mean, I hate sin. Don't you hate sin? I hate what sin does to people. I hate what sin does to a family. I hate what sin does to a relationship. Don't you? Isn't it devastating? Isn't it embarrassing? Isn't it shameful? Isn't it disgraceful? Isn't it bringing you to a point where you say, I'm, I'm so done with this. I just wish I could be done with this. You ever been there? There's hope. There's one who sees you. There's one who hears you. Isn't that interesting? There's one who saw the blind men. And there's one who heard the deaf men. The deaf man. That's in our text. Two blind men come behind Jesus and they cry out, Son of David! You know what that is? That's a reference to his, the fact that he's the Messiah. Son of David, the one who has the right to, to sit on the throne of David. 
the son of David, the Messiah, the promised one, son of David. Now, Jesus at this point is trying to keep this quiet. Largely, that's why he told him after he healed him. Now, don't don't tell anybody about this. Because it wasn't quite time yet. He knew the timeline of things, but but they understood son of I don't know that they understood everything, but they they understood this. I've heard that he could heal us. They hadn't seen it. They couldn't. But they heard it. It's very similar to Bartimaeus near Jericho, although this is up in Galilee. But these men were crying after him. And, and I don't know exactly how it was, but evidently he just kept walking because the Bible says he went all the way to the house. Why did he do that? I don't know. He did. But all along the way, perhaps you say, is he indifferent to their needs? Absolutely not. Perhaps because they were singing son of, saying, son of David, he's getting to a quiet place where he can deal with them privately. Son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. He gets in the house and he says, did you notice he didn't even have to ask what do you need? It was obvious what they needed. But he just asked him this way. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Faith. Hasn't that been emphasized as we've been coming through Matthew chapter 9? Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you trust? Here are these blind men. I mean, just imagine for a moment that you're blind and you can't see. What a, what a dangerous, scary thought. I just, I just stopped because I'm not sure where the edge is now. Oh, I've got plenty of room. Okay. That's a scary thing. When you're blind, you can't see. They had a situation that prompted them to try to get to Jesus. Maybe you've got a situation that's prompted you to try to get to Jesus. It could be your marriage. It could be your family. It could be your health. It could be your finances. Some situation in your life maybe has prompted you to try to come to Jesus. Aren't you glad the Lord can use those situations to try to get us to come to Him? Because He knows our greatest need. I'm, I'm preaching to you today about the need that is there and, and why our Savior had compassion. I'm, I'm telling you, there, there are two reasons here, and I'm just going to go ahead and give them to you, and then we'll talk about them. He, he's caring about these. He has compassion because they are hurting and they're helpless. People are hurting because of sin. These blind men were hurting because of sin. The man that was paralyzed was hurting because of sin. The, the others that are mentioned in, in Matthew chapter 9, they were hurting. And today, people are hurting because of sin. They're hurting. And I'm glad our Lord cares about those that are hurting. And if you're hurting today, He cares about you. They were hurting because of sin. And, and then also this, they were helpless without the Savior. They were hurting because of sin and they were helpless without the Savior. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And then he touched their eyes. He touched their eyes and then they saw. I don't know how long they had been blind. I don't know if they'd been blind since birth. I don't, I don't know. I, I, but if it, I know that there are many things that they could do and how they could function. But my, what a blessing that the next morning they could see the sun rise. And later that day, they could see the sunset and, and they could see their family. They could see their friends. And, but most importantly of all, they could see their Savior. Amen. Today, Jesus is not only able to heal physical blindness, but also he's able to take care of spiritual blindness. And those that, can't, that are blind because of sin and there are many thinking that they're doing okay and they think they're all right. But listen, they're, they're in more need than what they realize and they need the Savior. 
They're hurting because of sin. They're hurting because of sexual sin that has hurt their relationships. They're hurting because of gambling. They're hurting because of lies that they've told. They're hurting and, and they're hurting because of what they've done. They're hurting because of their poor choices. And then because of those poor choices, then they try to do something that makes them forget about their poor choices. And that leads to wrong relationships or, or it leads to excessively spending money or it leads to excessive drinking and it leads to all kinds of other things. And so now what was a problem here is have been compounded. They're hurting because of sin, but there's a savior that cares about them. There's a Savior that has compassion on them. There's a Savior that has compassion on you here today, my friend. He has compassion on you. He knows that you are hurting. He saw they were hurting. He saw the, that the, the man that was, that was dumb, that just simply means this, he was not able to talk. Most likely, he was also deaf. He was not able to hear. The Bible doesn't specifically mention that, but that would, that would most likely be a the part of the situation as well. And, and in this particular case, unlike other cases, this particular case was because this man had been, had been uh, terrorized by a demonic being. And I want to thank God today that there's a Savior that cared about a deaf and dumb man and delivered him and cast out that, that evil being, that demonic being. And the man was free. And the Pharisee says he just did that because the prince of the devils. And Jesus in other places would say, why would Satan divide his own kingdom? He's able to heal the hurting. He heals the blind. He heals the dumb. He, he, he healed. He actually brought back to life a 12-year-old girl that we just read about. He healed a woman that had an issue of blood who'd been hurting for, for 12 years. He healed a paralyzed man, told him he could get up and walk. He delivered a man named Matthew who was a, a really a rotten scoundrel and, and, and uh, got people out of their money and God loved them. He cared about him. He cares about the hurting today. He cares about the loss because they're hurting. Church, could we just open up our ears here today? Could we just open up our eyes to see that there's a world all around us that's hurting? Young people running around the city without the Savior, hurting their lives before it really ever gets started. Sad, isn't it? I'm glad we serve a Savior who cares about the young man that's down at Juvenile Detention Center today. I'm thankful that he cares about those even that maybe tag our building every now and then with, a, with spray paint. He cares about them. They're hurting. They're hurting. He cares about the person that broke into a home last night. He cares about the person that pulled a gun. He cares about him. They're hurting. We say, well, they're violent and they deserve this. You're right, but so do we. And we need to open up our eyes and open up our ears and understand that, and that's not condoning. Jesus never, ever condones any kind of sin, any kind of sin of any type. He doesn't condone any of it, but he understands the hurting. He hears their cries. He hears their pleas. And you see what's going on today with, with all the sexual perversion and all the confusion. What's going on? People are hurting because of sin. Their greatest problem is they need a savior. He had compassion. 
because they were hurting. And then number two, he had compassion because they were helpless. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd are in great danger. Sheep are not the smartest animals that God has ever made. They get themselves into some bad situations. He saw that they were faint, they were exhausted, they were wore out. They were scattered abroad. They were cast down. Our Savior looked at them with compassion. How do you look at the world? How do you look at people? Not just the downtrodden, but how do you look at somebody that's affluent? Because they may not realize their need, but if they're, not without, if they're without Jesus, they're just as much in danger of hellfire as anybody else. And some of them may put on a real good front. And everything may look good on the outside, but our Savior sees a reality. We need to listen carefully and see that they're hurting and see that they're fainting and they're scattered abroad. He cared about them because they were helpless. I say today, without the Lord Jesus Christ, everybody here is helpless. With Jesus Christ, we have help. You know, today I thought about it this way as well. As, a, as a, a saved individual, you may be hurting. You've got some circumstances in your life where you're hurting. It may be something from your past, someone that, that maybe even abused you or wronged you or hurt you or disappointed you. And you are here, you're saved because you trusted him as your savior, but you're hurting. Oh, listen, we have a, a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He understands what you're going through and he cares. See, you may be hurting, but you're not helpless because you've got the Savior. There are many people today that are hurting and helpless because they don't have the Savior. That's double trouble. They don't have a shepherd. What did he say to do? He said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. What kind of laborers are needed there? Laborers that would have compassion. People of God that have been saved and sing and are glad to be delivered. He brought me in from the fields of sin, but that'll take their place to warn those that are going on their way to say, listen, there's a Savior who loves you. There's a Savior who, who gave His life for you. And I'm saying today, there's a Savior who loves you and gave His life for you and rose again that He might save you. Amen. If you trust Him today, He'll save you. Amen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. But it also says this, how shall they call on Him in whom they have not heard and or believed? And how shall they believe on Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? without somebody to tell them. And how should they preach except they be sent? There's a great need today for believers to take their place on behalf and in the stead of the Savior who would be, have compassion on the hurting and would see them as helpless without, without a shepherd and, and bring them into the fold and, and say, listen, I, I can't save you, but I know the one who can. And bring them in. The Lord cared about them. He had compassion on them because, because they were hurting and helpless without him. And people are hurting and helpless 
without him today? Do you care? Do you see that? One of the things I like to share with the new members class is called a parable of a life-saving station. It's a story of a like a lighthouse area in the life-saving station that was used to help uh, people that were at sea that had been tossed and, and their ship uh, capsized and they would go out and make rescues and bring them in. It was a quaint little hut, basically, but it was used to rescue a lot of lives. But over time, the people that worked in the life-saving station said, you know, we just need to build this a little bit bigger here and make it a little bit more fancy. Instead of using cots, let's have nice beds. And on they went. And then they started to rescue some people that were dirty and, and um, even of a different skin color. And people in the, in the life-saving hut said, you know, those people, they're too dirty to come in here to our nice, newly renovated life-saving station. Let's set up a shower house and clean them up before they come in. Next thing you know, they got more to be like a club on the shore than a life-saving station. And then there was a disagreement among the members of that life-saving station because some said, listen, this is why we're here. We're here for storm-tossed lives. Yes, they're, yes they are, are dirty and yes, they're in great need. That's why we're here. Yeah, but they're too dirty to come in here. And so those that wanted to keep it as a life-saving station moved away and started another life-saving station while the clubs dotted the shoreline. And shipwrecks continued to happen, but most of the people drowned because there was no more life-saving stations. There was only clubs. I'm here today to tell you, friend, as a pastor of this church with the grace and help of God, this is not a club. This is a life-saving station. This is a place for storm-tossed lives, people that are filthy because of sin and its degradation that it brings to the life, people that are in shame, people that are in guilt because there's a Savior that cares about them. And let's not say, oh, wait a minute, let's not bring those people in here. No, hang on, wait, let's get with our Savior who said, you better bring them in. Bring them in, bring in the hurting, bring in those that, that, are, that are struggling with, with, with uh, homosexuality, bring in those that are struggling with pornography, bring in those that are struggling with adultery, bring in those that are struggling with drugs or alcohol, bring in those that are homeless, bring in those that are, that are racist, bring in those that, that are affected by the, by the sin of racism, bring in those not to condone their sin, but to help them because they're hurting and they're helpless without a Savior. But there's a Savior who loves them. And that's why Southwest Baptist Church has been here for 70 years. And if Jesus tarries his coming, then may Southwest Baptist Church still stand as a lighthouse on the south side of Oklahoma City to welcome people of all kinds to come in, but not to stay the way they are, but to be changed by the good grace of God. That's why we're here. Father, thank you. Thank you for our dear Savior who saw and heard blind and deaf and dumb and harlots, and drunkards, and self-righteous Pharisees, and tax collectors, and fishermen, common day laborers. Thank you for our Savior who cared and loved every single person. And I thank you that that love extends to this very day as well. Thank you, dear God. God, help us, I pray. Help us, dear Lord, I pray, 
to function as the church that you want us to be. Help us to be the believers that would follow Jesus in caring for the hurting and the helpless. Please, dear God. You've told us, dear God, in your word that the devil as a lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Lord, they need a shepherd. People around us need a shepherd today. Young people need a shepherd. Families need a shepherd. Somebody to protect them and guide them and lead them. Someone to stop the lost from going into eternity without Christ. Oh God, would you stir us up as members of this church? Lord, help us. Today, I also pray for any here within the sound of my voice that I just described them in this very message. I pray that they would come to our wonderful Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.